Chapter Sixteen of Entrapped by Alice Mangold Deal. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Zoe glanced vaguely about her, at the crimson fauteuil in the exquisitely decorated sal, at the platform, half hidden by the tropical foliage and blossoms of scores of exotic plants in pots, at the young, good-looking men of a justly praised band with their spruce, handsome, white-gloved chef d'orchestre then obediently seated herself in the chair chosen by her escort and just as the conductor gave the preliminary tap with his baton on the music desk accepted a programme from an attentive attendant who appeared greatly interested in the sparse audience who were possibly the friends of the gamblers of both sexes whose reckless stakes at the tables were such a prolific source of income to his employers it seems a pretty good programme this afternoon said captain grant politely turning his head slightly towards her yes returned zoe with chilly civility then as the orchestra struck up no less ambitious a first number than the overture to tannhauser the two sat silently side by side apparently either inertly apathetic or listening in intense absorption lookers-on would have set them down either as the usual impassive and imperturbable britons or as a couple to whom music was an abstract term and who had never melted in the sweet appealing presence of the heavenly maid no one as human eyes fail to see aught but material appearances would have guessed that beneath those quiet exteriors blazed volcanic passion zoe had never felt so inwardly wild since she could remember as she sat listening to the almost savage cries and wails of the violins in their exciting clamorous accompaniment to the noble choral representing the pilgrim's hymn she wondered what had happened to her it was as if a tigrish passion had sprung up unbidden and unexpected within her young ignorant soul and the moment when it had leapt into being was that when this mere acquaintance of weeks alone captain grant had with an ingenuousness she would hardly have expected in a man who had travelled and seen the world told her in so many words of his love for a girl who believed herself a wife but was not why should i care she asked herself as the majestic theme suggesting the sturdy faith of the god-loving pilgrims waxed louder and more convincing and the wild shrieks of the strings ebbed and died away like the waves when the wind drops and fails what is it to me if captain grant is in love or is not he seems more congenial to me than any one i have ever met i admit that but a few days ago we were strangers and after this we may never meet again but i won't like him more than i do i won't or i shall suffer horribly when i say good-bye horribly great stinging tears forced themselves into her eyes in her effort to stem them she clenched her teeth and clutched at the arms of her velvet fauteuil then a dread of his happening to suspect that those tears were caused by her disappointment to find that he whom she believed to be her admiring friend was possessed by a devouring and overpowering affection for another woman lent her strength to subdue the outward signs of emotion and he his whole nature was in a turmoil to him the music was torture as music often is to those in suspense or trouble both were enduring an earthly purgatory as they forced themselves to sit still while an attractive programme was gone through to sit still and speak coolly to each other of the various pieces which for aught they knew might have been wails and howls of suffering spirits in the nether regions when captain grant once more glanced at his watch consulted the programme and said there is really nothing else worth your hearing would you like some tea her whole being leapt with such intense relief that it was equivalent to joy 
after the warmth and the torturing music the outer air freshened by a rising sea-breeze was reviving to zoe the remainder of the monte carlo expedition passed more like a dream than reality as she and grant sat silently at their tea-table miss cartwright and her cavalier burst upon them she in fits of laughter at the vicomte's ill-luck every sou gone you must give me some tea of your charity captain grant she began proceeding to tease and rally the crestfallen frenchman she had no mercy upon him and talked for the whole party during their homeward journey and until they were all safely housed in their hotel when she sought her own room and flinging herself in a low chair told herself it had been one of the most hard-working days of her life lord what a thing it is to be good-natured she mused i detest frenchmen and loathe gambling and don't ever wish to be mixed up with doubtful love affairs i almost wish i had been born without this interest in my fellow-creatures who seem to be mostly people fallen among thieves curiously enough zoe's disappointment in captain grant and what she termed to herself her distaste for his peculiar love confidences softened her feelings considerably in andrew's regard when entering their private sitting-room she saw him lying back in an armchair near the open window smoking she went up to him with a welcoming smile i am sorry you were in first she amiably began you said i should please you if i spent the day as i liked so i accompanied miss cartwright the vicomte de Bressis, and captain grant to monte carlo a faint blush which she would have given much to repress rose to her cheek as she spoke andrew had gazed intently at her would he be angry jealous she almost started when he gave a light little laugh the very last thing in the world i should have expected you to do he exclaimed well did you win i shall demand half you know that's only fair she began to explain and he led her on and questioned and cross-questioned her until the clock on the mantelpiece chiming the half-hour he sprang up saying he had barely time to dress for dinner or she either and went off inwardly congratulating himself on his perspicacity in confining the subject of their conversation to her doings and thereby preventing her from inquiring as to how his day had been spent if the devil is the father of lies as they say every lie saved is something gained he told himself with grim sarcasm as he tied his cravat before the big mirror nearest the light and wondered he could look so fresh after his stormy experiences during the past day meanwhile miss cartwright descending to the hall in her black lace dinner-dress was met by captain grant who looked both moody and anxious don't ask me anything i am bungling my affairs like the idiot i am he said to her as by common consent they seated themselves near the fountain no all is not yet lost and won't be if you will come to the rescue like the good kind woman you are and do me just a little favour miss cartwright was taken aback and somewhat rueful until she heard his request when she readily promised to accede to it and being relieved in mind brightened up into quite her ordinary genial self consoling her neighbour at dinner the captain who somewhat whimsically confided to her his chagrin that his neighbour on his right zoe would hardly speak to him mr and mrs hamilton indeed were as a spirited english girl who was there vis-a-vis and who wondered what the men saw in that big-eyed scrap of a woman termed it quite the love-birds that night at the dinner-table indulging in meaning smiles and confidential whispers poor little soul he is playing some game of his own and throwing dust in those pretty eyes of hers thought the young lady's sympathetic mother 
who had married an amiable roue who died of decline shortly after her daughter's birth and who had remained a contented widow for the two-and-twenty years which had elapsed since she saw him laid in the grave in which she also buried her recollections of his evil deeds somewhat the same reflection crossed captain grant's uneasy mind as he assumed his opera hat and light overcoat and lighting a cigar watched zoe andrew and miss cartwright seated at afternoon and coffee in the vestibule where the band was playing then turned with a sigh and went down the marble steps into the clear warm night i would rather have done well anything almost than this he gloomily mused as he left the place massena de jardin public and the wide white palm-bordered road of the famous promenade behind him and strolled into the dusk of the older streets his destination was an insignificant house near the ponchette it was one of a row and as he glanced up at the shuttered fronts he felt a misgiving lest the personage he sought would not be indoors and was only partially reassured by seeing a light in an open window of number eighty nine the appartement is au troisième he told himself then throwing away his cigar end he entered the still open door and made his way up the handsome if dirty stone staircase for in former days of italian rule this had been a house for the superior class of flat occupiers and reaching the third floor found and rang the electric bell for almost a minute all within seemed still as death then just as he was about to press the button a second time he heard the sound of footsteps the door was hurriedly opened and he saw under the electric lamp in the hall a big fair beautiful woman loosely wrapped in a blue tea-gown lavishly trimmed with lace her golden hair hung loosely on her shoulders she looked radiant with expectancy and had almost flung herself upon him when her expression changed to one of defiant anger who are you you must have made a mistake monsieur she stammered her fine if somewhat bloodshot blue eyes gleaming like jewels with vivid emotion of some kind i have not made a mistake i think returned captain grant then he stepped boldly into the little hall where a bust of voltaire leered sneeringly aside from the summit of a black marble pedestal and an old carved high-backed chair on the tessellated floor suggested a relic of days past and gone when impecunious nobles nourished their pride on meagre risotto and polenta buried with a little fish bought from the fishermen on the beach below at sunrise and carried home by stealth before prying eyes opened upon the new day but kept their dwellings rigidly artistic i am a friend madame if you will allow me an interview i have that to tell you which will bring your husband to your feet you are a policeman a detective i know you she gasped barring his entrance by clasping the door and its lintel with her strong white arms what husband she hissed defiantly seeing a fatal mistake in her admission i have no husband every one knows that captain grant gave her a steady half-pitying glance then he leant forward and whispered something in her ear you had better hear what i have to say he added aloud as she fell back and gazed at him terror-stricken you mean to ruin him she hissed and you ask me to help my dear lady everything is his i want nothing i have more money than i know what to do with he impatiently returned all i want is to see you reinstated with him and then to return once i came and leave you both in full possession of your own come in she miserably said her head hung low her voice reduced to a sickly murmur and locking the heavy old door she led him through the ill-lighted hall into a large room furnished with a few old chairs and a venerable table where she switched on the electric light and motioned him 
to be seated. End of chapter 16